Good morning. No, good afternoon. How are you all? Good to be back with you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you so much that you lead us, and we pray that we may always remember this, no matter what comes our way. And as we talk about growth through trials, may this theme run constantly through our minds and our hearts. We pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to abide in this place. In the name of Jesus, your Son, we do pray. Amen. Difficulties, trials, adversity. Have you heard those words? Can you relate to those words? If you can't relate, that means you're not still living. <laughs> Only those who are six feet under cannot relate to the words difficulties, difficulties, trials. Everyone sitting here, I'm sure if I took a mic and I went to each one of you, you would be able to tell me some difficulties that you've been through or that you're currently going through now. Amen? Unfortunately, I always look at things through how society teaches us. We're not learning real well how to deal with difficulties. I mean, that's always been the case, but it's getting even worse. We have a quick fix society now. You drive up and you order your food. You press a button and the TV turns on. And I can go on and on with the wonderful things that technology has done, but what, you know what it's done? It's conditioned our mind to say, I can't handle things, I want to get it fixed immediately. Right? Um, as a psychologist, I deal with people, and sometimes people call me, I'm not in practice anymore, but I do a lot of phone counseling, and sometimes people call me merely because they're having a hard time dealing with their difficulties. I'm glad to be there, brothers and sisters, but I'm going to make a confession to you. It saddens my heart, I don't know how to say this without making people feel bad, or, but it saddens my heart that Christians are having an increasingly difficult time dealing with difficulties that come their way. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? It really does. I have a quote by a psychologist. Actually, it was a book reading by, written by a psychiatrist and a layperson. And listen to the title. One Nation Under Therapy. <laughs> and the subtitle is How the Self-Help Movement is Eroding Our Strength. And it really is happening. And in the book, they say this. In this era of grief and trauma counseling, one is tempted to ask how humanity managed to survive for thousands of years before its advent. In previous years, we were more likely to seek solace from a priest or a minister or to accept another explanation for catastrophe. We were once fairly recognized to what could not be changed. Now we want answers. And there's several things in the book that they talk about where they see this self-help movement, sad to say my people, many of them, pushing people to rely too much on human beings for help. Now, no man is an island, so I don't want you leaving here thinking that I'm saying don't ever talk to people. Jesus sought for support from his disciples at times, right? But what I'm saying is we're becoming too dependent on human beings, and as difficulties come our way, we don't know how to handle them as well. And so um, I've written a book about... This is just an aside. If you're interested at my booth, I've written a book about the, the dangers. Some of you have it. You've stopped by the, my table and told me. It's called Christians Beware, The Dangers of Secular Psychology. And I talk about some of the ways that psychology, sad to say, secular psychology has a, how it has had a negative impact in some ways. 
And I also have a series that I did at Pastor Boris Church called Mind Games, similar um, information to the book. But psychology has done some good things and in other ways has not done some good things. Now we have words such as trauma, crisis, and we use these words. And one thing that's connected with the word trauma, and I'm sure you've heard about this, is post-traumatic stress disorder. Have you heard of that? Actually, that word came about right after the World War veterans, World War II veterans came back, and we um, heard about them having shell shock and flashbacks and nightmares, and the term post-traumatic stress disorder was first applied to them, and then we started to apply it to abuse victims and people who were raped, dealing with all kind of trauma. So it is a real phenomena, um, and I don't want to minimize that at all. I've met people who they can't sleep because they have nightmares of the terrible things that has happened to them, or they avoid certain places because it reminds them of how they were taken advantage of and mistreated. So I don't want you to at all think I'm minimizing that. But today I want to talk about another side to difficulties, a side in which we can be helped to become better people and better Christians, in fact. And the Bible has, tells us that in many different ways, um, shows us that we can grow from trials. And there are many texts, but there's just a few I want to share with you, and one that we'll look at and see on the screen, or you could use your Bible to turn to. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, a verse that we're familiar with. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. You're familiar with this verse, I'm sure. You could read it on the screen as well. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into what type of temptations? Do you know what that means? Different. When you fall into different temptations, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh what? You don't feel that way when you're being tried, do you? But the end result, if we hang in there, is that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Another one, Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. And not only so, Paul says, but we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh what? You'll see that as a common theme with these verses. The Lord says to different people, if you hang in there and deal with this difficulty, it's going to work patience. And it's so interesting to me because I think of the end of the um, three angels' message. What does, what, does it say? what does it say? Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. But we always think about the commandment keeping, but what, what other characteristic is going to be shown? And that patience, brothers and sisters, is going to be developed by the trials that God is allowing to come our way. It's something that's simple but profound when I started to connect that. Another verse, Hebrews 12, verse 11. Hebrews 12, verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but what? That's real. Nothing seems to be joyous at the time that we're going through it. Nevertheless, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of what? Righteousness unto them which are trained thereby. We're being trained by these various things that are coming our way. It's a school. We're in school. Do you know that? As we're down here on earth, we're actually in school. And do you ever graduate from this earthly school? Yes. yes, she says. Yes, we graduate when Jesus comes and gives us, instead of our diplomas, what? Our crowns. 
But we're in school and we're being trained. Um, I like this quote that I read from the Spirit of Prophecy. I just found it this morning. And she says, faith, patience, um, can I read my words? Forbearance, <laughs> heavenly mindedness, trust in your heavenly Father. Listen to why she, she describes these. Are the perfect blossoms um, which mature amidst clouds and disappointments and bereavement. So they're flowers that blossom amidst clouds, disappointment, and bereavement. Now, um, we can benefit from difficulties. And finally, I always say psychology is hundreds of years before the Bible. Because in 1995, two psychologists, Dr. Tadeshi and Calhoun, they came up with a concept called post-traumatic growth. Have you ever heard that? We hear a lot about post-traumatic stress, but these two psychologists came up with the idea of post-traumatic growth. It's interesting to see how they're catching up with the Bible. And this is what post-traumatic growth, you could read the definition on the screen. Post-traumatic growth is positive psychological change experienced as a result of the struggle with highly challenging circumstances. Isn't that something? And you see why I say psychology is catching up with the Bible? Because all the verses we just read and many others already told us that. But psychologists now realize that we can grow as a result of adversity. And the interesting thing about this is that for them, as they looked at this, the growth occurs with the distress that we feel. So because a person is going through something and they're growing, it doesn't mean they will not feel fear. It doesn't mean they will not feel, a fr um, fr um, I already said fear, um, anxious or worried. That might still be going on, but the difference is, is those emotions are not overriding the growth. So you're growing as you're crying, you're growing as you're lonely, but you're still growing. So we're, we're uh, trained to avoid these things. And one psychologist says, if we're only aware of the bad consequences of adversity, we will assume that we should feel bad and we can actually end up talking ourselves into depression. Because all we're familiar with is, you know, I've had this terrible thing happen, and you, this is what usually happens to people who experience this, and that's what we're focusing on. And we could actually talk ourselves into anxiety or into depression. But if we recognize and start to understand, not only can I experience post-traumatic stress, but I can experience post-traumatic growth, that whole process will help you respond differently to adversities. Amen? Um, listen to some things that research found that people say after they experience post-traumatic growth. This is some of the um, statements they made. One person says, my priorities have changed. Another person says, I feel closer to my friends and my family. Another person dealing with trauma and dealing with growth says, I understand myself better. And still another person says, I have a new sense of meaning and purpose. These are some statements people made as they did the research on post-traumatic growth. Now, psychologists have been studying this more and more. We understand, the old research showed, and it's still true to some extent, that some people have had such horrible experiences when they were younger that they're more sensitive to stress when they're later, when they get older. 
Okay, so they're kind of sensitized. That explains why one person will have a breakup with a boyfriend and um, decide to try to kill themselves, whereas another person may have a breakup and not try to kill themselves. A lot of times, psychologists can go back and recognize there's some difficult things they've been through, so they're more sensitive to stress. However, there's some new research that's actually showing that people who experience early adversity actually cope with later adversity. Better, but it's so interesting. They compared three different groups. One group had no adversity when when growing up. Do they really exist? But I guess so. They found them for the research. Another group had a moderate amount of adversity, and then there was a third group that had a high amount of adversity. I don't have the research in front of me, so I can't tell you how they distinguished with, between the moderate and the and the high amount. But what they found was those who had no adversity versus those who had too much adversity. They didn't handle stress very well later on. But the ones who had just The right amount of, of adversity, they had a better sense of mental health, better growth, and, and did much better in life. As Christians, we don't um, we recognize that God also looks at what comes our way. We read this verse. You read on the screen with me. You know this verse, First Corinthians ten thirteen. There hath what. No temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. We have to believe this in spite of how difficult a trial may appear. And I also like what the servant of the Lord says. I also will show this on the screen as well. He, she says, "Our heavenly Father measures and weighs every trial before He permits it to come upon the believer." He considers the circumstances and the strength of the one who is to stand under the proving and the test of God, and he never permits the temptations to be greater than the capacity of resistance. That's so encouraging to me, and I should I, it should be encouraging to you as well. Everything that comes your way, God puts it in a scale and measures it and says, "Can Magna handle this? Can Johnny handle this? Can Sue handle this?" I think she can. I think he can, and he allows it to come their way, our way. And she goes on in the same quote, and I'm not. I'm going to just say what she says. She says, "When we're overpowered by the difficulties, we can't charge God." The reason we're overpowered, she says, is because for one, we've not been vigilant enough, we've not been prayerful enough, or we have not used by faith the provisions that God has given to us. So we can't say, God, you're putting this on me. I can't handle this. Why are you allowing this? No, it's because there are some things we're not doing that's helping us to be able to bear that particular per burden. God knows how much adversity is enough.、Um, this verse and this quote became particularly dear to me、um, in my life. About, I'm going to share a little with you.、Um, I was teaching at Oakwood and engaged to be married. And a month before the wedding, I called the marriage off because the Lord told me not to marry this particular gentleman. 
moved to Atlanta. Um, and after I moved to Atlanta, about a month later, a, a brother of mine who was a physician in California became missing. And we didn't find him for three years. My mother just went downhill. You know when they found him? A week before my wedding, three years later. They found his body. We don't know foul play. We tried to find out. We never found out the truth. Six months later, my mother had um, a stroke. Then as time went on, um, and, and I'm sure all of you all have stories, so I don't want to make mine think, seem like I'm just so much more, had been through so much difficulties, but I'm just look, sharing with you. Um, I don't know how many years later, later, I lost use of this right arm right here. Couldn't use it at all. I was married at the time. And uh, finally, they found out I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. But by God's grace, through natural methods, and not, you know, different people use different ways, so I'm not at all saying that that's the way you have to go. I decided to go that route. And um, it's been six years, no problem. Okay? So that God brought me through that. And then um, a few years after that, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. And six months later, she died. A year and a half after that, which was my most trying situation that I'm still working through, my husband died suddenly. We were doing ministry together. In fact, he had come here and he did, he did a few cooking schools. I don't know, some of you may have seen him. He did a few cooking programs. He and I appeared on 3ABN Today. I did some issues and answers program. I mean, we were rolling along with our ministry. And he had something called AV malformation, something that you're born with a congenital brain disorder, had problems with his legs, even you the short end of the story. And three weeks later, he had an aneurysm and died. Okay? 1 Corinthians 10.13 was my watchword in the middle of the night. Well, I didn't wake up a lot. God, thank God I slept well. But in the morning, I'd wake up and I'd have to repeat that and say, Lord, you knew this was coming Magna's way. You, you allowed it. You weighed and measured it. I don't understand it. I still don't understand it. But I can tell you, brothers and sisters, not bragging, I am a different person today than I was before my husband passed. Some of those things that I read to you that the people says, I have new leaning and purpose. I'm a different person. I'm closer to my friends and family members. I can tell you that that is for me. So I can personally, personally attest to the idea of post-traumatic growth. Now, um, I was reading um, or watching a video one day by a woman who was a game developer. And she had a brain concussion. Excuse me. Uh, my... Um, her doctor put her to bed rest for three months. She became suicidal. And while she was in the bed, she wasn't religious at all, the thought came to her, I'm not going to let this bring me down. And she was a game developer, so she devised a game called Super Better. And she asked her sister to participate in that game with her. But she did research for this game. And I want to share with you some of the research. I hope you don't mind me when I share research with you. Because I think it's so exciting to see what research is showing. And in the research, she found that post-traumatic stress occurs because people are resilient. Have you heard that word before? And it, she said that resilience was very important as she ran across the research. And resilience is the key to people growing as a result of trials and difficulties. And she found four types of resilience that we must build. She said, by the way, even people who don't deal with trauma, they will grow if you develop these four types of resilience. And let me, let me tell you these four types. Physical resilience... Mental resilience, emotional resilience, and social resilience. 
Physical, mental, emotional, and social resilience. And let's talk about each one of these based on what... Her name is Jane McGonigal, M-C-G-O-N-I-G-A-L, if you ever want to look her up. Jane McGonigal. With physical resilience, the research shows that your body can resist more stress and heal itself faster when you're physically strong. The research shows that the number one thing you can do to boost your resilience is to not sit still. So that means you all are all not boosting your resilience right now. <laughs> But that's okay. There's a time and place for everything that the wise man Solomon tells us. Every second that you are not sitting still, you improve the strength of your heart and your brain. And another psychologist, Dr. David Heilerstein, I think he's actually an MD, psychiatrist, he says people who are physically toughened are able to withstand prolonged stress better than others. Exercise makes us mentally, mentally and emotionally strong. I know for myself, the day after my husband died, I was out walking. I did it before, but I did it even more. Walking every day, and I, I know for a fact that getting out, walking in nature, talking to the Lord, not only helped me spiritually, but it built me physically to withstand what I would have to deal with losing him. So that's physical resilience. Let's look at mental resilience, and this is the one that's really important. Mental resilience has to do with developing more mental focus, more discipline, more determination, and more willpower. There are characteristics of mental uh, resilience. These are the characteristics that we need to develop. Mental focus, more discipline, determination, and willpower. And basically, what mental resilience says is you are changing how you look at the situation. I remember when my husband died, I said, Lord, we were right in the height of building our ministry. Why did you do this? And you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? Magna, you're concerned about your ministry, but my concern is salvation. And the reason that was significant, if I could be personal again, my husband and I would have morning and, and, and evening devotionals, and he, we would hold hands, and he would take my hands, and on our knees, he would say, Lord, I want to be saved. I want Magna to be saved. And if it means that one of us has to go before the other, and I would just stiffen. And after prayer, I'd say, Al, why are you saying that? He says, Magna, we have to be serious about our salvation. And if it means that one of us has to go before the other, so be it. Little did he know what he was saying. Little did he know. But we have to change the way we look at situations. This includes we need to see obstacles as challenges to be overcome and not to block us. Change how we look at things. We need to find difficult meaning in difficult situations. Instead of viewing yourself as a victim, view yourself as a victor. Say, I am a victor. I can be an overcomer with this situation, even though, if I don't, even though I don't feel like it. You have to develop the perspective of learning from mistakes rather than denying mistakes. We're talking about mental resilience. And she has a quote from Christ's Object Lessons, Ellen White, that I have to share with you. I wanted to get it on the screen, but we won't have it. Just listen. It's Christ's Object Lesson, page 332. She says, bear this in mind. If you have made mistakes, you may gain a victory by discerning these mistakes and by regarding them, I like this phrase, as beacons of warning. 
to enable you to shun their repetition. Thus you turn your defeat into victory, disappointing the enemy and honoring your Redeemer. Isn't that encouraging? We must look at our mistakes as beacons of warning. Very important. Still talking about mental resilience. Other ways to change how we look at things is to be persevering. Don't give up. Learn new behaviors. And another thing the research shows, take decisive action. What do I mean by that? Well, one writer cited a few examples of decisive actions. For example, those who survive a disaster and they become more involved in rebuilding their community, guess what? They experience more post-traumatic growth. If, you have a, if you're a cancer survivor and you decide you're going to live a healthier lifestyle, not only because you want to try to address your disease, but just you decide to do that, you experience more post-traumatic growth. If you are a parent who has lost a child and you go and volunteer in a school, you're building your mental resilience, you experience more, say it with me, post-traumatic growth, okay? So you're building your mental resilience. Y'all understanding me on that? Let's go to the next area, emotional resilience. And that is the ability to manage our emotions and to evoke positive emotions. You know we can do that, right? By what we say to ourselves, we can evoke positive emotions. Psychologists have come up with something called the three to one positive emotion ratio. For every three negative emotions you experience that day, that week, that hour, if you can experience one positive emotion, you will do better and you'll grow. So there's a three to one. I'm sorry, I said that completely wrong. Please, three positive emotions for every negative emotion. So if you're experiencing a negative emotion, if you can say somehow Lord or change your thought pattern and experience three positive emotions, so it's a three to one, positive to negative, then you can greatly manage your health and your ability to deal with problems, okay? Learn how to manage your strong feelings and your impulses instead of giving into them and realize that you have a choice in most situations and that you can have some control over yourself. I talk about, and I have the DVD, What We Think We Become. Many of us think ourselves into problems. You know that? One psychologist said that I went to a workshop. He says, what we think is killing us. It's not only the diseases, it's what we're thinking that's killing us. And so you have the ability to develop positive emotions. You have the ability to manage your emotions. And the people who are better able to do this, they experience more what? Post-traumatic growth. Okay. And then the last one that the research shows is social resilience. You gain strength from your friends, your family, your neighbors, your community. The research shows that people who suffer alone are less likely to grow from a trauma. I can personally say this has been a, one of the most powerful things for me. In fact, one of the girlfriends who was there for me, she drove up with me here to 3ABN. Gwen, she's here. 
And having friends and family members, there's another couple who was here, the gardeners, they were also there for me. They came in and cooked food that day of the funeral, them and some other friends. I could just name people. I, don't, I shouldn't name people because some of my friends are going to say, you didn't mention my name. But I had many good friends, and I know that that's what helped me grow from dealing with the loss of my husband. Another thing under this social resilience is gratitude. The research shows that when you experience gratitude, the memories of your difficulties are less likely to resurface. If you express gratitude, thank you so much for being there for me. Father, thank you for what you've done for me today. Just expressing gratitude, when you do that, those negative memories will come up less. That's what the research shows. And that will help you experience post-traumatic growth. Another thing that's important is just the mere thing of touch. Hugging, shaking a hand, putting your hand on someone's shoulder. All of these things contribute to post-traumatic growth. So the four areas again, physical resilience, mental resilience, emotional resilience and social resilience and whether or not you're going through a trial right now these things the research shows when you when you practice them regularly they add 10 years to your life amen. it's amazing the mind-body connection now um, Jesus also recognized the importance of, of social um, relationships and it's interesting the other thing about this social um, resilience that leads me to what I was going to say about Jesus is those who surround themselves with people who have also been through what they have gone through experience more growth and, and uh, um, the Mount of Transfiguration do you remember who appeared with Jesus? Moses and Elijah listen to what the servant of the Lord says at the transfiguration the Lord sent Moses and Elijah to talk with Jesus concerning his, concerning his suffering and death and listen to what she says in this sentence instead of choosing angels to converse with his son God chose those who had themselves experienced the trials of earth isn't that something God cares for everything, brothers and sisters. He could have sent the angels to talk with Jesus, but he says, no, Moses and Elijah can relate to an extent to what he's going through. I'm going to send them to talk to him. What a merciful, wonderful God we serve. Amen? So we've talked about these four areas, but you know, um, there's one more thing I meant to mention too with the social resilience. There's research that says that those who forgive more experience more growth. Forgiveness is so important. Have you all heard of the story of Corrie ten Boom? Some of you might have heard the story. This was a Dutch um, Christian who hid a lot of the Jews during the Nazi tri time, trying to kill the Jews, genocide. And she hid a lot of them who eventually was imprisoned. And she, after she got out, did a lot of talking. And one of her favorite topics to talk about was forgiveness, even though she had experienced that adversity and that trauma. One day she was talking about forgiveness, and someone walks up to her, and it was one of the guards in the Nazi camp who treated her very badly and her family. And he reached out his hand and says, will you forgive me? She said, bitterness arose, hatred arose. But then certain verses came to her mind, and she says, I have to do this. I speak about this. Reached out her hand and forgave him. Do you think she had post-traumatic growth from that? 
Now, forgiveness is not something that sometimes is, is humanly possible, but by God's grace, we can forgive. And so the Bible tells us this too. That's why God tells us so much to forgive one another. It's not only because we can make it into the kingdom, but it's also good for our mental health. That's why I like when she says, true psychology is found in the scriptures. Because it is. If we follow the scriptures, much mental health can grow as a result. So forgiveness is very important. Um, all of these things are good, but one of the most important things to help us deal is the spiritual aspects. We need to have a relationship with the Lord. Right before my husband died, the Holy Spirit impressed me to read the book of Job. Didn't know why I would be reading it. But many of those things that I read came back to my mind after he passed. And my devotional life increased even more. Prayer and devotional is, uh, life is really important to me today. But the spiritual aspect is very important when we think about growing as a result of trials. And let's just talk about a few um, a couple of Bible characters to see if they grew. One of my favorite I mentioned yesterday was Joseph. Joseph was an example for me in many ways. And the servant of the Lord talks about him in Patriarchs and Prophets. And she says that he was a petted kind of spoiled child because it was the father's favorite. But the day that he was carried away in that caravan, I think it was the Midianites he was sold to, going on his way to Egypt, he was afraid and, and wondered what was going to happen. But then he began to think of this father who talked about the heavenly father who was there all the time. Jacob talked about how God was with him and helped him through various things. And he began to think about it. And as he thought about it, this is what, his, what happened. Read with me on the screen in your, in your mind as I read it. The, the uh, quote says, His soul thrilled with high resolve to prove himself true to God. He would serve the Lord with an undivided heart. He would meet the trials of his lot with fortitude and perform every duty with fidelity. This is what Joseph made up in his mind. One day's experience had been the turning point in Joseph's life. Its terrible calamity had transformed him from a petted, petted child to a man, thoughtful, courageous, and self-possessed. Is that not post-traumatic growth? Because of that experience, Joseph became a stronger person. And that's why at the end when his brothers came to him and they were fearful that now that Jacob had died, they were, he was going to do something to them, remember? And this is what he said in Genesis 50, 20, showing the growth. He says, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Talk about someone who grew as a result of their trauma. I was just reading Desire of Ages 2, and I was reading about Mary and Martha after they sent the message to Jesus that Lazarus has died, and Jesus kind of took his time. Um, but in Desire of Ages, she tells us that their faith was severely tried. And she goes on to say that Jesus knew that because of the struggle through which they were now passing, their faith would shine forth with far greater power. I wonder if he seeks to do the same for us sometimes when he doesn't answer our prayers right away. I wonder if he's saying, I'm going to let 
uh, Suzanne struggle here for a little while because I want her, grace, her face to grow with more power. I want her to become a stronger person while Suzanne is crying, why me, Lord? Why am I going through this? And God is saying, if you will just hang in there, you'll be a better person. You'll be stronger. You'll be more like me. But when we're going through the situation, we don't realize it. Another example of a person who experienced trauma, Paul. I mean, Paul went through a lot. He talks about being beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, placed in various different situations. But he ended up saying in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9, I love this verse, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. He also reached the point where he could say, I'll have it on the screen again, 1 Corinthians 12, 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. Then, of course, the ultimate example was Christ who suffered in ways that we will never have to suffer. And one of the things that Paul says that I thought was interesting is that Christ learned as a result of his suffering. In Hebrews 5.8 we read, Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Isn't that something that Christ actually had to learn? He grew as a result of the trauma. I guess we can say that. I might be kind of stretching it. But he learned as a result of the suffering. He learned obedience. And time will not allow me to talk about Moses and about Naomi and about different other characters in the Bible who grew as a result of their difficulties. The, the, the psalmist David says in Psalms 119.71, it should be on the screen, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. David actually got to the point to say, Lord, it's good that I've been through these difficulties because now I can learn what you're trying to teach me. Do you think David felt good as he was going through these difficulties? I want, to, I want you to get that in your mind, that the, the growth doesn't mean you will not feel bad sometimes that you will not feel afraid, but you can still grow from that. The Bible commentators tell us that the lessons learned from such experiences are invaluable in the development of Christian character. We can also learn about ourselves as a result of trials. We should have this one on the screen from Desire of Ages. She says to us, through affliction, God reveals to us the plague spots in our characters that by his grace we may overcome our what? Do you know that sometimes we're blindsided to what's going on with us? Some people, they don't want to hear that anything is wrong with them. And God says, okay, you won't hear it from your husband, you won't hear it from your wife. I'm going to let a few things come your way so you can see a little bit about yourself. In his mercy, he does that because the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. And then 
One of the last quotes that I'm going to mention is one that really stuck out with me when I reread Steps to Christ again. And you should see it on the screen. She says, The thorn and the thistle, the difficulties and trials that makes his life one of toil and care were appointed for his good as part of the training needful in God's plan for his uplifting from the ruin and degradation that sin has wrought. You know, after Adam sinned, that was the first time they saw thorns and thistles. And so God allowed this to happen. It was a curse, but it was also a blessing because in that, he was able to bring Adam up, the labor and toil that he had to do. And for us, the difficulties in life is part of the training. I mentioned that earlier, that we need as God tries to lift us up from the ruin that sin has brought closer to the image that he has for us. Does that make sense? It doesn't feel like it. But that's what God allows or wants when, when he allows things to come our way. Difficulties are hard and we still need to understand that people are going through that. I don't want you to walk away from this. This is the danger of talking about post-traumatic growth, that when you see somebody going through something, oh, you can grow from that, you know, and we don't show any sensitivity. And we, I don't want you to walk away doing that. Oh, you know, I heard that about post-traumatic growth. You'll be okay, you'll grow. I don't want you doing that. Okay? We still need to be sensitive to people. We still need to reach out to people. We still need to hurt when they hurt. Okay? But we, in our own lives, as we're going through these things, say, Father, I can grow from this. Don't, you know, you don't have to be down. You don't have to be depressed. I can grow from this, Lord. Help me to grow. Show me what I can do. Show me who I can help. Show me how I can develop my body better. Show me what I can read in your word, what promises I can um, hang on to that will help me to grow. And the Lord will do so. Do you believe that? He will do so. Going through trials are also important because there are times that are soon to come. We don't talk about it a lot, but have you heard of something called the time of trouble? It, it is coming, brothers and sisters. I don't mean to make light of it. And I, like, I remember talking to Lewis Walton one time, and he used this phrase. He says, some things are test runs for us or trial runs for us. And I believe some of the trials we're going through now are like the test runs for those of us who are going to be alive during that time. And if we can grow now, when that time of trouble comes, when Jesus steps out of that most holy place and he says that he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. Brothers and sisters, if we've not passed the test before that, we're in big trouble at that time. So overcoming trials and growing through trials is not just for us. It's also a thing about eternity and it's also a thing about us standing before the universe as witnesses to what God can do. There will be a people who are going to grow and they're going to stand during that time. Do you want to be one of those? I want to be one of those, but start today, brothers and sisters, with the little tests that are coming your way. Start today. He will help you to grow. We are um, in a time, and, it, and I don't be, it believe it'll be very long before we see that time coming and we need to grow. Um, Trials are one, I, I want you from all of this to walk away saying, Father, I want to deal with trials a different way. That's what, if nothing else you get from this, I want imprinted in your mind that trials are things that I can grow from and not have to run from and avoid. Amen? That's what I want you to learn from this. Post-traumatic growth. And if you experience that growth, you can sing the song that I want you to sing with me. It's a song by Andre Crouch, just the, the chorus. How many of you all know through it all? 
I love this song. We can sing it together. Just sing it. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. I've learned to trust in God. I've learned to depend upon His Word. Isn't that what we want to do? God bless you, brothers and sisters. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.